0: podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on v the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back in the final hour of the Pro Football Blitz. I'm Brady Cannon, live at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas, and my partner James Salinas is along via denver colorado and we want to bring in a third member of the roundtable here gary Gramling now joins us he's the senior editor at sports illustrated and also the monday morning quarterback you can follow him on twitter at g underscore si gary thank you very much for joining us and of course you and james and i just witnessed the los angeles rams advancing to super bowl 56 with a win over the san francisco 49ers and Even though the Niners went into the first half with the lead 10 to 7. Really, I think this game overall was pretty well dominated by the Los Angeles Rams. They ran 76 plays to just 50 for the 49ers. San Francisco was only able to average two and a half yards per carry. I mean, this was very atypical of San Francisco versus L.A., where San Francisco was not able to you know, beat the Rams physically, beat them down physically over the course of, of a game and win the time of possession battle, it kind of flipped and went the other way. And by the time we got to late in the game, when Jimmy G had to pull some magic out, I think this 49er team was a little bit worn out.
0: Look, that's what happened. And and it's not totally dissimilar to what happened when these teams met in Week 18. I thought the Rams uh, really, their physicality was there uh, in that Week 18 game. It got away from them for for a number of reasons in the second half, but we know you need to uh, rehash that now. Outside of that one drive, that last touchdown drive for the 49ers in the third quarter, uh, where, you know, suddenly I did, you know, Troy Reeder missed a couple of tackles. Uh, That was the only time in this game where it looked like they were really, you know, the 49ers were sort of asserting themselves a little bit in this one. Uh, Other than that, though, I mean, look, the Rams were in scoring range twice in the first half and came away with zero points. Uh, there was the deflection that got intercepted in the end zone, and then there was the, uh, the unfortunate drop uh, in the end zone that was followed shortly after by a missed field goal. So uh, this one, I mean, look, absolutely, the Rams were in control, but it did feel uh, maybe until about midway through the fourth quarter that the 49ers are trying to steal another one in kind of ugly fashion, just like they did in Lambeau last week.
2: Well, Gary, I want to get your assessment of that fourth down play. Basically, well, they had to punt and fourth and two, roughly inside the forty-five yard line of the LA Rams. They had second and one, couldn't get anything going. Tried to get a little cute with use check uh, on a on a draw play or, or a, a quick a trick trap play inside, didn't go anywhere from there. I'm not really sure why that was challenged. Uh, clearly not a yeah. fumble on that play, yeah. but it's fourth and two now, and, uh, and this is where a lot of things are going to be debated, and we can go back and review 60 minutes of this game, but I think that was a big turning point where Shanahan elected to, took the five-yard penalty and then ended up punting the football, and then we know the Rams went down. Fortunate that Tart wasn't able to squeeze that interception, and then, of course, you don't make the play. Uh, good teams are going to take advantage of that, but what was your assessment of that opportunity with the San Francisco 49ers trying to regain momentum in the fourth quarter and ultimately... Punting the football on fourth two instead of going for it, and then completely lost all the momentum after
0: that. So the, the sense I had on that play was, uh, it, look, the third and two play that was that was a tendency breaker. That was something they set up last week uh, in Lambeau where they ran that play where Trent Williams comes into motion and and blows up the entire uh, right side of the world at that point, and uh, they run behind them. They did that, except now they you know they they, they, they handed it back inside to Usyk and tried to fool the Rams, but that didn't work. That felt like something thing that was in Shanahan's pocket. He was going to pull it out when they absolutely needed it, uh, and it didn't work. And I'm not sure he had something to go to. I think that is something we lose track of a little bit, especially with a, a highly schemed offense where I don't want to make this into a, into a Garoppolo thing, but uh, you've seen it over the last three or four years. Shanahan doesn't you know, for for obvious reasons, he doesn't trust, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo the way uh, Brandon Staley trusts Justin Herbert or or uh, you know Zach Taylor or trusts uh, Joe Burrow or anything like that. They are fairly conservative in those types of situations, and it just felt like you know we lose track if you don't have the play if you're not confident you have a play in your pocket. Uh, sometimes you just got to punt and, and certainly that's not a team that can say well you know maybe our quarterback will just figure it out that's they don't have that guy and they know they don't have that guy
1: You know, Gary, uh, I'm sure social media is going to light up Kyle Shanahan uh, for that decision on fourth and two when he enters the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead. But as we've kind of illustrated here, maybe that 10-point lead was a little bit of smoke and mirrors because the Rams, uh, you know, were really winning this game in a lot of different areas. And that fourth and two decision, we talked about it here on the program I didn't think it was the worst decision of all. Uh, it's very easy to say, hey, you know, go get the first down and go win this game. Um, but the Rams had no timeouts at that time. There was 10 yeah. minutes left in the game, and L.A. was out of timeouts. So for that reason, I kind of felt it was the right call. And Shanahan looks like a genius if Tart's able to uh, catch the ball that where he is like a center fielder in baseball is the easiest interception he'll never make.
0: No, it was... Uh, I mean, boy, that's going to haunt him for a long time, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, I look, if the Rams don't score on that drive, uh, it, it might be over, because you're absolutely right. They, they were not going to be able to stop the clock that many times. Now, uh, the bigger issue for the 49ers was the fact that they just couldn't, uh, they couldn't get a first down in the fourth quarter there. Uh, they, they couldn't move the ball on those last two drives at all. And uh, again, it's a function of, of a number of things, but mostly it's a function of just the limitations you have with that quarterback. And uh, on a day where, you know, if you're the 49ers, you want to be running those 70, uh, 76 plays. You want to be grinding people down in the fourth quarter. It just never happened.
2: So let's switch to the AFC and what we saw with Cincinnati going into Kansas City and upsetting the Chiefs to move on to Super Bowl 56. Think about the, give me your assessment, not only are the Bengals and Joe Burrow and definitely a different game plan coming into this AFC championship offensively, especially with that porous offensive line that we saw give up nine sacks last week in the divisional round to Tennessee, only one sack today and a lot different game plan going in to try to take some pressure off that offensive line, not to have to pass protect for as long, but Thinking about this matchup for the Bengals, how they play today, how they've been playing throughout the playoffs and now going into this matchup against the L.A. Rams. How is that Bengals offensive line going to deal with this Rams
1: defensive front?
0: Yeah, I will say uh, the one thing that you can be confident in with the Bengals is they haven't protected Joe Burrow all year, so this won't be any different than the entire season when uh, they won all these games and then got to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow manages that pressure really well, and that's it. there's something you said for that. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily Josh Allen stuff where he is uh, you know stiff arming guys and throwing them around, but you know we saw when he shrugged off uh, Chris Jones in this game today and ran for a, a key first down. He's capable of doing that. He's very good at managing the free rushers coming at him. Now, that said, one of the issues in the Titans game uh, was the fact that it was not only the free runner, but Jeffrey Simmons was basically taking two blockers back into Burrow's lap every play. That seems like something that is... Probable with Aaron Donald, so you're going to have it coming. Uh, You know, it's not going to be one guy closing on Burrow. You're going to have Von Miller. You're going to have Leonard Floyd. You're going to have Aaron Donald in his face. Uh, It's tough to figure it out Uh, exactly. I mean, look, the offense they run is—it's a veterans' offense. It's a thirty-something-year-old quarterback's offense that that a you know, second year guy is running and he is doing a lot of improvisational stuff within it. But uh, it is tough to figure out <laughs> how they're gonna beat this Rams defense here unless you just say, well, you know, Joe Burrow's just gonna just gonna make some magic.
1: Gary Gramling is our guest. He's a senior editor at Sports Illustrated. You can follow him on Twitter at G underscore SI. And Gary, you know this Bengals team has been defying the odds all season long. Here in Las Vegas, they were anywhere from 25 to 30 to 1 just to win the division, the AFC North. They did that. They beat the Chiefs a few weeks ago. They beat the Chiefs again at Arrowhead, pulled off the doubleheader, the sweep of the Kansas City Chiefs. They swept the Ravens. They swept the Steelers. And then they go on the road and take out the number one seed in the Tennessee Titans. It just seems this team has something going for itself. And, I tell you what, Vegas has given them a little respect here in the Super Bowl as well. They're four-point underdogs to the Rams. What do you think? I mean, nothing's impossible, but what kind of chance do you give them?
0: No, that sounds about right. And, and, look, the Rams don't really blow teams out. Uh, you know, they, they still, you know, this is Matthew Stafford. Yes, he, he can do the sort of second reaction stuff that they never had with Jared Goff, but it's still, you know, it's a highly schemed offense. Uh, I don't really see them, uh, you know, any quality team uh, during a matchup during the season. I don't really see them as a team that's going to go in and, and beat someone by two, three touchdowns. So, you're probably looking at a one-possession game again. Uh, again, it's it just, it's tough. To find a logical reason to uh, to, to pick the Bengals, uh, you you can say they'll keep it close. Maybe it comes down to a field goal again, but uh, you know as he said they have been defying the odds for a little while now. I, I think I had uh, uh I had recommended on S.com to uh at the beginning of the postseason to bet them plus eight hundred to win the uh the AFC, just saying you know, they have a pretty good path to get to the title game and then just hedge your bets then. But uh <laughs> they they accidentally went ahead and uh just won the whole thing anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, James and I have been uh discussing you know, this team's odds to win the division and whatnot, you know, as they adjusted throughout the season and we never pulled the trigger and now we're kicking ourselves. Well, <laughs> Gary, thank you so much for uh, taking a few minutes out of your championship Sunday to join the, uh, to join us here on the pro football blitz and enjoy the big game in a couple weeks. Oh, you got it guys. Anytime. All right. That is Gary Gramling. He's a senior editor at sports illustrated and also at the Monday morning quarterback. You can follow him on Twitter at G underscore S I. And that is something, James, that I wonder how the betters are going to react to for the big game. You know, the public has got to be in love with, at this point, the, the sexy underdog in Joe Burrow. I mean, can they continue to pull this off? I, I imagine your casual fan is going to be thinking this team can pull off anything. The way that
2: they played and and why not the the fact that they've been the, the star power when it comes to the young talent on that team, Jamar Chase, really comes to mind as well as Mixon making plays, too. And Joe Burrow just never being rattled, taking nine sacks two weeks ago in Tennessee, getting up, dusting himself off and being able to to adapt to any situation in any environment that they play in. Uh, but also, then you think about the star power, and I think if we're we're digging into matchups and thinking about the the playmakers on both teams, I mean, Cooper Cup, nobody has, nobody's been able to figure it out an answer for Cooper Cup all season long. How is Cincinnati going to be able to do that? This is gonna-
1: Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back into the Pro Football Blitz, Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you, and we are into Super Bowl week, my friends. Super Bowl weeks, of course, a two-week respite before we get back into NFL football and the final. Chapter of NFL football in the 2021 season will feature the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals, of course, from SoFi Stadium. You know, I talk about uh, a team, you know, never having hosted a Super Bowl in their home stadium. And then it happens twice here in the last couple of years with Tampa Bay and the Rams. Uh, James, I remember very fondly Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers beating Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins in the Super Bowl. And that was at Stanford. So not too far away from Candlestick Park, which was home to the San Francisco 49ers. That was kind of almost a home game there for Montana and the Niners. But uh, regardless, we don't see that too often, and now we've all of a sudden seen it two years in a row. Um, I want to go back to something we briefly touched on earlier in the program, and those are the odds for the Super Bowl next season, James. And just looking at Cincinnati, I mean, this team had to be 100, 200, who knows what their number was to win the Super Bowl before this season started. I mean, a couple years ago, this team had the worst record in football with just two wins to their credit, and here they are in the championship game against the Los Angeles Rams. So, you know, if there's a team on that list where maybe you can dive down the board a little bit, and that's really the way the NFL is, you know, it's not necessarily always really chalky. We see a lot of worst-to-first and first-to-worst, and in this case, the the Cincinnati Bengals are evidence of that. I, I'm looking at the Philadelphia Eagles at forty to one. Obviously, they've got a lot of work to do, but they were, you know, a playoff team this year. How about the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders? They've got a new coach, Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for many years of the New England Patriots. They also got a new GM from that Patriots organization. The Raiders, I'm showing at fifty to one. That looks like a pretty nice price. Anything else there as far as the uh, Super Bowl Fifty Seven champion that catches your eye?
2: Well, maybe not so much looking at seeing who's going to win the Super Bowl, but I think I would start looking at the NFC futures and what is the what is the balance of power going to look like in the NFC? Thinking about Green Bay, number one seed, obviously went down last week to San Francisco, but with Aaron Rodgers, does he leave Green Bay? So sp- lots of speculation that he will leave. Well, if Green Bay no longer, where do they fall? I mean, where does that division go? Green Bay definitely going to spiral down the standings when it comes to not having Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position in Lambeau. I just feel like thinking about what are we going to see in the NFC? If Green Bay is, if, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, And if he goes to the AFC, a lot of speculation, Brady, that he's going to come out here to Denver. And part of that was part of the speculation about hiring Hackett was that Aaron Rodgers was going to follow. We'll see a lot of things have to transpire for that to happen. But if he does leave and leave the conference, well, think about Tampa Bay. Well, that's last year's defending Super Bowl champion. And now we know Tom Brady most likely is going to be gone and retired. What's left in the NFC as far as the star power is concerned outside of Los Angeles uh, and the Rams, with this team built for built to win now, and that's where they're at, and and good for those guys. They made all these offseason moves. It's not long term. We're not looking long term when it comes to L.A. Rams, and and really some of the the thinking about the draft capital capital that they've had to forfeit over the last couple of years to get the players and the star power that they have currently on that roster. But where else would we look in the NFC? I feel like. And man, is is Arizona could Arizona make that happen with Kyler Murray? Maybe you talked about Philadelphia. Yeah, I like the way that that team is built offensively up front, rushing the football is Jalen hurts the answer at the quarterback. I just feel like there's so many questions. I think that's probably where I would want to dig into is to start to break down some of those rosters, knowing that there's going to be a lot of movement in particular with those two big names with Brady and Rogers, most likely gone out of the NFC. That's probably where I want to start to look. Who's going to be the new power aside from the LA Rams, who else can compete with Los Angeles in the NFC?
1: Yeah, and the market kind of reflects some of the speculation that you're referring to, James. The Buccaneers are at 12 to 1. Uh that seems to be a little bit more on the side that Brady will not return, and then you've got the Denver Broncos at 15 to 1. Why are the Denver Broncos at 15 to 1? Because like you say, maybe they'll get Aaron Rodgers. The Packers are also at 15 to 1. You wonder if Tom Brady, you know, part of his decision to stay or go uh, depends on if Aaron Rodgers leaves the conference. Uh, I, I think that would be a, a pretty important part of it. Obviously, he's got a life to lead, and that's probably the bigger picture here. But in terms of football, if Aaron Rodgers leaves the NFC, that certainly opens up the door for Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. And if Rodgers does go to Denver, we were talking about this as well, James. Uh, You know, it appears the future of the AFC is Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. How about the AFC West division? Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, and possibly Aaron Rodgers. And then you've got Joe Burrow in the AFC North. I mean, maybe that's the five best quarterbacks in the game next year.
2: Josh Allen up there in Buffalo in the in the a, you know in the AFC East and we've seen Tennessee and get back healthy next year with Derek Henry that's still a very formidable team I mean the AFC the balance of power in the AFC is if it is Aaron Rodgers man if he goes to Denver yeah it definitely makes him a contender there but uh, I don't put them at the top of the list do it with the Denver Broncos thinking about they've, they've got some pieces defensively but You know, so much of that was was a lot of it. Say what you want to about Vic Fangio and his in-game decisions. And yeah, plenty of room to criticize Fangio when it comes to in-game management, as well as how he really conducts himself in his his communication style or lack of communication style very direct communication style with some of those young players on the denver broncos in that locker room but i think defensively that what's going to be lost with vic fangio being gone is his ability to coach that defense he's tremendous defensive coach and he's going to land somewhere as a defensive coordinator got to assume that so yeah, I, I don't put Denver at the top of the list in the AFC. You mentioned all those young quarterbacks and Aaron Rodgers, definitely a huge upgrade at the quarterback position for the Denver Broncos. It's not a good offensive line either. Man, yeah, I, I, I think I would be looking, be looking more so to fade any of those futures for the Denver Broncos if Aaron Rodgers does become a Bronco here in Denver.
1: Yeah, you know, I was kind of of that same thinking when Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, that everything would be elevated, and, and let's go against that. Well, that, that didn't work out too well. How about the Baltimore Ravens at 18-1? to 1? I mean, the Ravens, despite the, the number of injuries that they had prior to the season starting, during the season, I mean, I think you could argue that they were the most beat-up team injury-wise in the NFL this past season, and yet they still competed week in and week out, Pulled off some incredible wins, some unfortunate losses, late in games in overtime, what have you. I mean, I think it just says a lot about John Harbaugh and with the Ravens here at eighteen to one. I think they're a team you have to look at year in and year out to win it in uh, the out of the AFC North. I just feel like for me, the AFC is it's so it's
2: going to be so competitive. I'll probably be better off if I'm looking at a future getting on the NFC side because whoever comes out of that is probably not going to be nearly as beat up and banged up getting into the Super Bowl as whoever it is that's going to represent the AFC, just thinking how deep these teams are as far as the talent is concerned. You know, the Indianapolis Colts, you do have Carson Wentz, and in my mind, that's not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, but they've got plenty of pieces there too. We know that team can run the football. They're going to have to make some adjustments on the defensive side with now finding a new defensive coordinator to run that side of the football there, but man, that is, the, the AFC is absolutely loaded, not only with the young quarterbacks in in that side of the conference, but also just the makeup of some of those teams. And as you talked about the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, you- Yes, the injuries were a major factor in their slide in the second half of the season. But the one thing we did see out of Baltimore until they were just completely the attrition just wore them down at the very end of the season. That team fights and they compete and they battle each and every week. That team can stay healthy, especially the way that they're built to be physical on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I could see that there at that number. What did you say? 18 to one?
1: Yeah, 18 is a pretty
2: nice number. Yeah, I could be interested in that just based on this, uh, these teams that can be physical, uh, but man, can they, can you hold up? i think about the AFC North now, where is, I mean, Pittsburgh without Big Ben, I'm not sure where Pittsburgh's going to start to fall down the list within that division. And Cincinnati obviously has got plenty to build off of their Super Bowl run from this season. Cleveland, what is Cleveland going to do at the quarterback position? They're going to have Baker Mayfield next year, but he's going to be in a lame duck status moving forward, and that'll be the last year of his contract. So didn't really like to see how the Browns finished out with the issues at the quarterback position there. So even if it's we're looking at futures and just within the divisions – and finding what those might look like to come out of the AFC North. Yes, Cincinnati, but now all the expectations will be on Cincinnati next year as opposed to not a whole lot of expectations coming into the 2021 season. Maybe that's where we get a pretty good price on the Ravens just
1: to win their division. Yeah, you look at all the quarterback questions. You mentioned Big Ben in Pittsburgh, Baker Mayfield. Okay, the Colts, you know, do they do they roll with Carson Wentz again, the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson is a question mark, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Brady's future, the Washington Football Team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh the Packers, where is Aaron Rodgers going to end up, the Houston Texans and the 49ers. What do they do with Jimmy G? Does he get shipped off in the offseason and they go to Trey Lance, the man they drafted third in this past NFL draft, who uh, did get a little bit of experience this year for the 49ers. Uh, but do they move on from Jimmy G, who once again had a very successful season, but cannot get them to the promised land as they fall to the Los Angeles Rams earlier today, 20-17. To your final. We'll come back with more in just a moment. It's the Pro Football Blitz right here on vcent. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on v the Sports Betting Network. It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure v is a part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs, and then on championship weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on v leading up to our sixth annual Live Big Game Betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make your plans now to join the v betting experts before, during, and after the action, all at v James, uh, both of our guests in the last hour, Ted Wynn and Gary Gramling, uh, they felt that your and my breakdown of the Super Bowl coming up, Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium was going to be a big part about that Uh, Bengals offensive line and the struggles that they've had, not only in the playoffs, but all season long. Joe Burrow sacked 51 times this year. And then, of course, uh, you know, they felt that the Rams and this defensive performance that they put up, especially in the fourth quarter against San Francisco uh, was going to be able to take advantage of that matchup. And it was also Gary Grambling that felt the number four in favor of the Rams was probably about the right number. I've been sitting here for the last half hour trying to wrap my head around which side I like as far as uh, to win the game with the points, what have you, the total, the consensus number at about 50. H- have you been able to get any kind of first impression on what you might like for the big game coming up in a couple of weeks?
2: I'm looking more so at the total and thinking about, all right, with – the Rams, the way that they're built to throw the football in particular, Cooper Cup at another tremendous game at a cup. And and they look to exploit mismatches. And we saw that with San Francisco. Anytime they man, anytime they brought the uh, I forget his name now, number 24, every time he came in, they just completely They targeted him every single time out there. They moved Cooper Cup around, put him in a number of different bunch, formations, and we saw a lot of man coverage out of San Francisco today and not very physical up front. It was K1 Williams. That's who I was thinking of, and he really just got worked by Cooper Cup any time they were in one-on-one matchups. Well, what is that going to look like with the Cincinnati secondary? Are they going to be able to match up now? Their safeties are very aggressive with both Bates and Bell. They're uh, Bell's really a box safety there, and I think they're going to really try to jam and be physical at the line of scrimmage with Cooper Cup and, and some of the other receivers for for the L.A. Rams, and we'll have to check on the status of Tyler Higby. We know he went down early in the game today, did not return for the L.A. Rams, and I think that might be a piece that will be, depending on his status going in, that could be a loss for, for the L.A. Rams passing game if he's not there and then let's look at the other side. Now the Rams were able to get back being down 10 to being down 10 points in that third quarter. And we had talked about it earlier, Brady, where if the, the Rams had dominated in the first half, but not on the scoreboard. Every other aspect of the game in that first half was in favor of the Rams with total plays, time of possession, moving the football, uh, you know, the turnover in the end zone by Matthew Stafford. And that interception was, was key early in the first quarter, but, This is going to be a different offense that they're going to face. When it comes down to Joe Burrow, we know that kid's got no conscience. He is not afraid. You can keep banging him and hammering him down around. He's still going to pick up. He's such a competitive kid that plays. He's the complete opposite to me of what Jimmy Garoppolo is. Garoppolo is going to be a rhythm thrower. It's going to be short, quick throws inside the numbers, uh, simpler throws, fast, quicker throws uh, to try to alleviate any kind of pressure for him to have to go through any of his progressions and his reads. Well, Joe Burrow, man, that kid is not afraid. No matter how many times you hit him, he's going to keep getting back up and getting after you. I just wonder on the Rams side, we talked about their safeties and their their back end being banged up again. Backup safeties having to play in this game today. San Francisco took advantage of it with Kittle on that one red zone touchdown from Jimmy Garoppolo. But if that's the case here and we're still going back in with these backup safeties, I think there's going to be opportunities for Burrow with some big plays down the field. I think that's where I'm going to be looking more so at, some of these not only with with the total and looking at some of those matchups there in the passing game but also some of the props when it comes to throwing the football in this in the in the Super Bowl
1: you know you mentioned Tyler Higby leaving that game early the NFC championship game earlier today but Kendall Blanton was actually great in filling in for Higby in that game. And we talked about Higby probably being a big piece of that Rams offense with all the attention that Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. get. And it turned out that Blanton was a big piece of that comeback for the Rams. And we also talked about in our preview of the Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals game, James, that the Cincinnati Bengals uh, were one of the worst teams in the NFL in defending the tight end. So, Whether it's Higby or Blanton, they may struggle in that regard, and that could be a big boost for the Rams' offense. And then you also have the uh, weakness for the Cincinnati defense in defending running backs, catching passes out of the backfield. And we saw the Rams employ a lot of that today with Cam Akers. They certainly tried to establish that. The Niners did a pretty good job defending it, both Sony Michelle and Cam Akers catching passes out of the backfield. But if that is the recipe that the Rams are going to use on offense once again, utilizing their tight end and their running backs out of the backfield, it could be tough again for this Cincinnati defense.
2: Yeah, and I think for both of these teams, offensively, neither team is going to commit to running the football. Yes, Mixon, uh, you, collectively of all the running backs that'll be in this Super Bowl, Mixon is by far the best talent out there. But behind that offensive line, I'm not sure what they're going to be able to do to create much space for Mixon to get going in the running game against that defensive front for the L.A. Rams. So it is. I, I think that's where Mixon could have some opportunities as well in the in, – out as getting into the middle of that defense. And we talked about the safeties being banged up and backup safeties for the Rams in this matchup against San Francisco. Well, they're banged up at the linebacker position too are the LA Rams. So I think there's some opportunities for Joe Mixon, not so much rushing the football against that defensive front behind that offensive line for Cincinnati, but more so getting out in space and finding some matchups for Mixon to make some plays receiving the football. But there's going to be plenty of talk over the next two weeks. And I think it's all going to be about the start power with Joe Burrow and and Jamar Chase and I think those prices when we start to dig in later once the start getting more of those props being released I think and and rightfully so both for Chase as well as Cooper Cup those numbers are going to be probably priced too high for my liking Uh, but looking at some of the other opportunities to find matchups against both of these defenses I think there's going to be some areas to exploit you mentioned the tight end position whether it's Higby or Blanton I think Mixon's another one again that might be able to find some space outside the outside of being able to make some plays receiving the football and find some props that way
1: well obviously we do now have our matchup for Super Bowl 56 and we've been talking about it for the last couple of days making some bets on Super Bowl MVP and uh, I made a very small kind of just funny money bet on Elijah Mitchell I wasn't getting too serious about making a bet ahead of time in that market. And that's not necessarily a a bet I get too serious about anyway. I play a lot of props for the Super Bowl and I'm always obviously trying to win them all and, and how I think the game's going to play out. But a lot of the bets are are just for fun and excitement for for the final football game of the year. And and I made that one pretty casually on Mitchell. But now, of course, like I say, we do have the matchup in place and you and I talked about it. If you're going to think that Cincinnati can win this game, I think you have to bet Joe Burrow to win MVP. But with the Rams, I don't think it's necessarily Matthew Stafford. I would probably look towards Cooper Cup, and he's probably going to be a favorite as well. Well, I'm looking at it
2: right now, at least at Pet MGM, there are adjusted prices for super bowl mvp and cooper cup is sitting at four to one he's plus 400 four dollars here for cooper cup matthew stafford is at the top of the list he's at even money that's not a play i would want to make there at even money for matthew stafford but yeah for cooper cup sitting at plus 400 jamar chase right now is sitting at 11 to one and we had talked about this too depending on what the matchups were going to be what about a defensive player rarely does it happen but somebody like Aaron Donald or Von Miller he he's been there and done that he did that back in 2015 Super Bowl 50 for the Denver Broncos and being able to get off that edge i just think about that offensive line for Cincinnati and they're going to have their hands full with both Aaron Donald Von Miller and the pass rush from the LA Rams, but what is the adjustment? We did see an adjustment today from Cincinnati throwing the football. It wasn't gonna be burrowing these deep drops, looking for big plays over the top, down the field, like it was against Tennessee and taking the amount of hits and sacks that he suffered in that way, even though they did win the football game, got the ball out of his hand quicker today. Shorter drops, quicker throws, knowing that they could not stand up, especially on the road in Kansas City with deeper drops think we're going to have to think about that and dig into some of these other guys here. Anything else of those players that I mentioned here, Brady, that you might be interested in as far as down the list for MVP of the Super Bowl?
1: Well, we've talked about that, too. You know, we were kind of looking at Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead with some real big prices there for San Francisco if they were going to get there. And and I still have Aaron Donald at 25 to one, I believe, in our discussion before the Rams had advanced to the Super Bowl, Aaron Donald was still at twenty five to one. I I don't think that's a bad number. I, I I would maybe like to see it a little bit higher, but the fact that we have illustrated how he could have a huge game against that porous offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad price at all. And if you're looking at this market, James, maybe you sprinkle on a couple different players, but I think Aaron Donald would probably be, have, to, have to be one of them that you have in your portfolio there at 25-1. to 1. I certainly don't mind Cooper Cup at 4-1. to 1. I don't think that's an awful number either, but I'm with you. I'm not going to jump on Matthew Stafford at even money, even though he could have a sentimental vote there for so many years in Detroit, now getting to a Super Bowl and possibly winning it with the Los Angeles Rams. We'll wrap up the program. Next up is the opening lines. Matthew Van, excuse me, Jonathan Vontobel and Matt Humans coming up after we wrap up the Pro Football Blitz. Welcome back. The final segment of the Pro Football Blitz is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free. And available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths. So you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. It's Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch. It's available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to Zinn.com find to locate a store near you. That's zy find. Brady Cannon and James Salinas back with you inside the Pro Football Blitz. And, of course, the big game is upon us. In a couple of weeks, they will get it on in SoFi Stadium, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Cincinnati Bengals looking to bring home the Lombardi Trophy. And, James, you and I were just discussing Super Bowl MVP odds. We've talked about this the past couple of days prior to the championship games being decided, and now after the fact. And Joe Burrow, a little bit better than 2-1. to one. Matthew Stafford, you mentioned at Even Money. We talked about possibly having Aaron Donald in your pocket there at 25-1. to one. And, and I just thought of another one. You know who's the most valuable player for the Cincinnati Bengals right now? Evan McPherson. Has a kicker ever won Super Bowl MVP? I don't know if they ever have in the past, but I'm seeing Evan McPherson at 100 to 1. All he's done is kick 12 field goals in the postseason, four in each game, all successful for the Cincinnati Bengals. Another 52 yarder to give his team the lead today. Another game winner in overtime today for Evan McPherson. This kid has been a rock. And heck, at 100 to 1, why not?
2: <laughs> yeah, you can, not a little top shelf bourbon money on that. I can see that going on <laughs> fire. Go. But, it, but, but honestly, Brady, I think if, if Cincinnati's relegated to having to kick field goals, uh, this is not going to be the matchup for them to be able to win a Super Bowl. They're going to have to put points on the board and, and score and match. I, I think the Rams now, the pressure's off of them. All the pressure with dealing with San Francisco, having lost three games to San Francisco, or Two games this season, the last six over the last three years to the San Francisco 49ers division rival pressure of playing at home. All of that's gone now. Now you're at where you were expected to be prior to the season starting. And and, you know, you're going to be indoors. So we're not going to be dealing with weather. It's a fast track with artificial turf. I mean, this is going to be uh, and all the playmakers out there. I just feel like one thing I was looking at. So that aside, looking at these totals. So just quickly off the top here, the the. The game total is sitting at 49 and a half, 50, maybe a consensus. Let's just call the consensus at 49 and a half. But I'm looking at the first half, and the total is sitting at 23 and a half. So if you're trying to go over that total with these playmakers out there playing in these conditions uh, as far as being favorable and advantageous for these offenses and the big play capability in the passing game for both of these teams, it's kind of interesting the fact that it's 49 and a half for the game, but just sitting at 23 and a half. It's just slightly there at 15 cents to the over. But initially, that's exactly where I looked. I was th- feeling like, all right, I think both these teams, with especially with Cincinnati, there's nothing to lose with these guys. They're playing with house money. They're getting the dice, and they're hitting on the hard four. They're not afraid here. Why should they be? They wouldn't expect them to be in this position as it is. I think they're going to continue to do what's got them there all season long and rely on that passing game and the connection with Burrow uh, Burrow and his receivers 23-and-a-half seems a little light to me as far as the total in the first half, Brady.
1: Yeah, and it's odd that it's not just basically cut in half from the entire game total. Uh, If you do want to go under 50 or 50-and-a-half, there are still some available out here in Las Vegas. Uh, In fact, 50 is the consensus number, and I do see 150-and-a-half, certainly a couple of 49-and-a-halves in the market as well. Uh, James, just real quick back to, you know, kind of kidding uh, on Evan McPherson to win MVP. But this guy has absolutely been a huge part of this run for the Cincinnati Bengals. And you talk about, you know, if you're going to have to kick four field goals uh, in the Super Bowl, you're not likely going to win that game. But, you know, they did it against the Kansas City Chiefs. A- and if if you and I said here on our preview edition of the Pro Football Blitz that, Cincinnati's going to kick four field goals. Evan McPherson's going to get it done with his leg again against Kansas City, and they're going to win the ballgame outright. We never would have believed that. And so, you know, do you think it's – do you think the Rams' offense is basically equal to Kansas City's? And that's something you can't mess around with field goals. Because, boy, if you can kick field goals and beat Kansas City, you would think you could beat any offense with that approach.
2: Well, thinking about maybe as far as the Rams are concerned, definitely not – the versatility in the passing game like Kansas city with, with you're talking about Kelsey and Hill and just all the speed, definitely not that type of speed with the LA Rams, but I think the game plan more so going in. I mean, for to, I thinking about Kansas city today and how they matched up with Cincinnati, Kansas city, it was in my mind, it was a really kind of an arrogant game plan that they had, especially how they closed out the second, uh, how they closed out the second quarter and how they closed out that fourth quarter. Just thinking about how they were managing the clock and the poor job they did with the play calling in both scenarios there. Just feeling like, all right, well, we've got this. And they had a, a sizable lead early in that first half, did Kansas City. And maybe that kind of fed into how they've really, in a sense, you know, you, if you don't have full respect for your opponent, I'm not sure if that's exactly the case for Kansas City, but it just felt like that the play calling and the fact that it, closing out the first half, and if you're going to go for it and you're going to bypass the three, you have to throw the ball to the house i mean you're gonna rely it going on to, to a quick out it was a tyree kill that got caught up and 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 thrown for a loss to end the half i just feel like that's not what we're gonna see out of the rams i just feel like all the pressure now yes there's pressure on la to win the super bowl but i feel like the bigger pressure was for them to get by san francisco in the nfc Championship game they've done that now all that pressure is gone now they can look forward and look ahead and I think there's plenty of opportunities to exploit that Bengals defense sec their, their secondary and Cooper cup and and the other if Higby's coming back I think that's probably a key for me to, to look at here as far as that that total is concerned but I mean, that, from just the first initial reaction of looking at the side, looking at the totals, that's the first thing that jumps off to me again, Brady, is looking at that total sitting at 23 and a half in that first half, playing that over just for 15 cents, 14 to 10 gets there. And I think both teams had plenty of playmakers to make that happen.
1: You know, it's interesting, James, uh, your assessment there that uh, really the hurdle that Los Angeles wanted to get over was the San Francisco 49ers and, and, You know, maybe that was similar for the Kansas City Chiefs in avenging the regular season loss to the Buffalo Bills. We know that's the matchup. We talked about it last weekend. The AFC Championship matchup was really the Bills against the Chiefs. And we certainly didn't think the Kansas City Chiefs would let down in a conference title game. We thought they might come out a little sluggish. They did not come out sluggish at all. They put 21 points on the board. They were 3-for-3 with touchdowns in their first three possessions. But... You know, maybe that's something to think about, too, if you're considering backing the Cincinnati Bengals, that the Rams, they slayed their dragon. And I mean, do you let down? Do you look ahead? None of that seems to apply for a championship. You know, the Super Bowl on the line. But, uh, you know, we didn't think that was going to be the case for Kansas City either.
2: Well, and it kind of mirrored this this game with Kansas City and Cincinnati today kind of mirrored that week 17 matchup where Kansas City got ahead and then not so much let down but kind of let up. They only scored, they only had three possessions in that week 17 loss at Cincinnati put three points on the board in that second half. Well, that's exactly what happened today. I had a couple more possessions, but only three points in the second half after scoring 21 points in that first quarter and or that first half and should have had more at, at minimum kicking that field goal on the last play of the second quarter to close out and go up with a larger lead. Maybe that gave some momentum to the Cincinnati Bengals in that respect and they had the confidence knowing that they had already come back once earlier just a few weeks back against kansas city and i think the second half adjustment was a lot more coverage on the back end and Kansas City not being as patient and Patrick Mahomes kind of falling back and reverting back to playing hero ball like we saw early in the season where teams were keeping those safeties high and forcing Mahomes to just take what the defense would give you and be patient and matriculate the ball down the field. Well, we didn't see that in the second half from Mahomes. Got kind of greedy with some of these plays. Led to a few sacks that he should have gotten rid of the football. Really not so much the offensive line's fault, but more on Mahomes. And then bad decisions with the football. We had the two interceptions. There should have been a couple other as well eli apple he had one really well there's some players that you can pick on and we talked about the rams picking on picking on some of the dbs for san francisco there's some dbs for cincinnati that i think can do the same thing for a los angeles they can pick on as well
1: james real quick before we get out of here zach taylor a former assistant for the los angeles rams under sean mcveigh they will be very familiar with one another any advantage for either coach in your opinion Uh,
2: maybe playing against some tendencies that they might perceive that are going to be there and maybe some other thing. I think there's going to be some trick plays coming out. They're not just going to go and go with what, the, the, the typical, especially early, I think maybe the first drive or two, they'll be a little more conservative with the football. But these teams are here to win it. And I think for Cincinnati taking some shots and we know Zach Taylor, he's he's been gambling all season long. He's another one of those coaches that's not afraid to to go for it on fourth down, although he's got such a weapon uh, with McPherson kicking the football and the confidence that he showed here in the playoffs and winning these football games. Uh, I, th- I think maybe it would be to play against some tendencies that they might perceive knowing each other the way that they do.
1: All right, next up, stick around for the opening line show right here at v Sin the Sports Betting Network. Sports Betting Network. Sports Betting Network. Sports Betting Network.